We present ourselves before you tonight. Here and everyone joining online. And we say we love you Lord. We love your word. We love your spirit. We ask together for utterance and anointing and direction and light. Open our eyes that we may see our ears to hear, our hearts to understand. Ah, kat kriyo ish ninke ayon hande ponengwakje, and the the lies of the enemy shall no longer blind. The korek krikshde reform mabadachi, the the restrictions and kala constrictions of the traditions of men that contradict the word of God shall no longer hold you back. For you will see with your eyes, you will hear with your ears, and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! Somebody say hallelujah! Praise be to God. Somebody say, I receive that. I, re- I receive that. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm hearing. I'm understanding, I'm receiving. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. The the greater one is in us. So the enemy cannot hold us down, cannot keep us back. You, You can be seated. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Father. I have the sense in my spirit from that word, things that individuals in this room and in Sarasota and other places have struggled with for decades. You're going to see it. You're going to get it. Somebody say, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. You're going to see it. You're going to get it. And it's going to be so clear and strong in you and to you, the enemy will no longer be able to mess up your life in that area. He'll no longer be able to hold you out, etc. Somebody say, so be it. So, so be it. So be it. Turn please to Luke tonight, the 16th chapter. We began last night talking about faithfulness, the key to increase. Hallelujah. The greatest key to increase. There's more to increase than sowing seed and making confessions. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. I said that's not all of it. In Luke 16, we saw last night the, the unjust steward. And we talked about how that a steward is a, a manager of a house or an estate. And the Lord, in verse 10, gave us this revelation. He said, he that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. I want to read that to you from the the NCV. It said, Whoever can be trusted with little 
can be trusted with a lot. Whoever is dishonest with a little is dishonest with a lot. You want to decide whether you believe this or not. You might say, well, of course I do, Brother Keith. Well, in practice, many do not. What do you mean? Well, people will get upset if you make an issue out of a small thing. But according to Jesus, it's the same problem with a big thing. People say, well, it was only $10. Yeah, but if you were dishonest about it, it's a big deal. Wouldn't matter if it was 25 cents. Why? Because you know if they'd lie to you about $10, you can't trust them with 100 Now, people will argue about this, but you've got to decide whether you believe what Jesus said or not. So issues with small amounts and small charges are a big deal. They're a big deal spiritually. And if you don't get them fixed, you won't qualify for more. You won't qualify for greater. Or you might connive and swindle people and get something. But I'm talking about getting something from God. Because he rewards faithfulness. Doesn't he? God rewards faithfulness. Keep reading. He said, if you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, this is the NCV, then who will trust you with true riches? And if you cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else, who will give you things of your own? So we see where Faithfulness is going to be tried and or proven. Where? It's going to be proven with little. It's going to be proven with natural worldly things. Yes, sir. See, a lot of folks have, you know, they think, well, no, it'll be proved by how much I pray and how much scripture I can quote. Well, you're not going to be trusted with a body of Christ changing revelation. If you won't even obey him with the tithe. Because that's a lot more important than that. And yet. It's the same in the heart. The heart issue is just as important. With the tithe. As with the life changing church changing revelation. <laughs> Faithfulness will be tried and proven with little. It'll be tried and proven with natural things. It'll be tried and proven with someone else's. Do y'all see these three things? Someone else's. For many people, they don't think that's spiritual. And you'll hear the language, it was only this. What's your problem? Don't have a cow. It was only 20 bucks. With God, it's always about the heart. Come on, everybody say that out loud. With God, it's always about the heart. Why would you say? Well, there's numerous reasons why we'd say that. But how many remember the scripture said, man looks on the outward appearance. But what? 
The Lord looks. What's he always looking at? He's always looking at the heart. And the result of that can be good or bad based on the condition of your heart. But one great thing, you can have a change of heart. Hallelujah. You can have a heart change. Woo. Hallelujah. How many are willing to have a change of heart to whatever would please the Lord most? So, raise a hand and say, Lord, I'm willing. Whatever needs to change in my heart, my mind, my life to please you most. I want it. I ask for it. I'm willing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told Phyllis the other day something that ministered to me. Ms. Ruth Graham, wife of Brother Billy Graham, they're both going to be with the Lord now. She wrote a statement concerning her husband. She said that he, uh, she never met anybody that wanted to please God more than her husband did. What a statement. Isn't that right? And from your wife who lives with you, right? Night and day. That's a man of God and a woman of God. Is that right? Because she obviously valued it like he did to say it that way. Said she she never met anybody in her life. Well, they were all over the world. They met all kind of people. They knew all kind of people. Never met anybody who wanted to please God more than her husband did. Brother Billy Graham, than he did. Well, that's an indicator of a faithful heart. Is that right? A faithful person. And you begin to see there are reasons why God can use people the way he does. Why would God use him the way he used him? Reaching millions for salvation. Why him out of all the billions on the planet? Well, there's reasons why. And they have to do with heart. He and she started off pastoring a little church on the outskirts. I believe it was a Chicago. The whole congregation was 35 people. Did they experience increase? I said, did they experience increase? Why? How? Why? Faithfulness. They were faithful with the 35. They were faithful with the next thing. And it got bigger. Then they were faithful with that. Then it got bigger. Then they got faithful with that. Then God gave them a great crusade. And then he was faithful with that. And it got bigger and bigger and worldwide. And what an amazing thing. He's still preaching winning people today. Hallelujah. I told Phyllis, I said, "That's that's what we want. We want to be out of here, resting in the Lord, and our investments still accruing on the earth. Amen. Still, amen. amen. Now that's that's something. So be it. What is faithfulness? Don't assume you know. Even if you know something, 
you for sure don't know all about it. Being faithful is being like God. God is faithful. Everybody said out loud, God is faithful. Being faithful is being like God. And one of the most outstanding qualities of the devil is his unfaithfulness. He had a place in the things of God. He had, we don't know how long it was for. He had such amazing glory and he had access and he had all these things and the Bible said he was created perfect in all of his ways until iniquity was found or discovered in him. God didn't create iniquity in him. He used what God gave him to create iniquity and became the adversary, became his, one of his names means slanderer. He is the epitome of unfaithfulness. Went behind God's back, incited rebellion among the angels, and led an open rebellion against God. You can't get any more unfaithful than that. That is full-blown betrayal, unfaithfulness. You don't want to be like the devil. You don't want to be unfaithful. Are you hungry to be like Jesus? How many believe Jesus is absolutely faithful? I mean, there's not a a tiny amount of unfaithfulness in him. He's never done anything unfaithful. He is I mean, when you read about him in the book of Revelation, one of his names is faithful and true. Oh, hallelujah. Faithful. That's who he is. And it's what he is. When the psalmist talks about Israel saw God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. This is a big part of it. What did he learn about God? One of the big things he learned is his faithfulness. His ways are true and just and faithful. Say it out loud. God's ways are faithful. Now, did you hear the phrase? His, the way he is, the way he does things is faithful. Faithfulness. He will never betray you. He will never undermine you or work against you. Never. He can't do it. It's not in him. That's one of the reasons it's impossible for him to lie because lying is an ultimate unfaithfulness. Lying is betrayal. Trying to convince somebody to believe something that is untrue is inherently unfaithful. You are betraying them. So he never has, never will. Look with me, if you would, in Proverbs 31. They'll put this on the screen for us. 
The account of the virtuous woman. There's a phrase here that just to me, it, it just brings it together. The virtuous woman, Proverbs 31.10, it says, who can find a virtuous woman? Well, that sounds like who, who can find a faithful man, right? We read that last night. He said, help, Lord, the faithful fail from among the children of men. The proverb says, every man will extol his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find a lot of people think they are, say they are, but actually finding one is a different thing. They're more rare. And this is obviously a faithful woman. Why would you say that? Well, she's a godly woman. And just by right of that phrase, God is faithful. So if you're godly, you're faithful. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And then it, t- it gives you insight into why she is virtuous, godly, faithful. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. Now, the word faith and faithful have common roots. And one of the big meanings of faith is trust. Having faith in God is trusting him, that involves trusting his trustworthiness. Remember uh, Sarah conceived and had a child when she was past age because she did she believed God. How'd, she, how'd that work out? She counted him faithful. Is that right? Yes, that had promised. So her faith was in the faithfulness of God that he could do what he said, and he would certainly do what he said. And not fail you, you could rely on it. And Abraham did the same thing. He was fully persuaded that what God said, he was able to perform. And he was convinced that that if God said it, it would happen. So that's faith, trust, in the trustworthiness. So If her heart, excuse me, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her, that means he's convinced she's trustworthy. He has faith in her because he has seen and knows, he's convinced she is faithful. Now, we use that terminology in modern uh, language, unfaithful. And many times people only think of affair. They were unfaithful in the marriage. Well, they had an affair. But that is a very limited concept of unfaithfulness. What did it say? His heart does safely trust in her, so he will have no need of spoil. She will do him good. And not evil. All the days of his life. That is faithfulness. Did I lose somebody? Say that loud. She'll do him good. And not evil. All the days. Of her life. 
that describes a faithful person. God is faithful. There's a reason I keep saying it. How many believe he's faithful? Being faithful is being God-like. It's being like God. And God never changes. Is that right? So faithful never changes. Faithful is the same when you're not around as when you're in front of them. I'm going to say that over here too. Faithful doesn't change. Faithful is the same when it's talking with her girlfriends. The virtuous woman is the faithful woman. She would never spend money and hide it. She would never, the, the scripture said in Proverbs, he that's of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. The virtuous woman would never tell her friends about her husband's failings and shortcomings. And a faithful husband is the same. I said the same. A faithful husband is not going to lie and do this and hide and come back and tell his wife something else. That's being different with her than with them. That's unfaithful. You don't have to commit an affair to be unfaithful. It's a heart thing. Brother Hagin said Jesus in one of those visions told him one time, he said, uh, uh, he said, people will be judged quicker over sins of the heart than of the flesh. That's something to ponder. People will be, why? Well, where's God looking? With him, it's always about the heart. He said people would be judged quicker over sins of the heart than of the flesh. Because you can make some dumb mistakes with your head. You can be caught up in the moment and do something stupid. And if that's not your heart, it'll bother you. And you'll repent. But if you plan to do it for six months and carried it out and enjoyed doing it, that's another deal. Is that right? That's, That's another situation. Don't you like this? The heart of her husband does what? Safely trust in her. He'll have no need of spoil. Not from her. Why? She'll never hurt him. I said she'll never hurt him. Why? Because she's faithful. She's godly. She's virtuous. She will do him good. And not evil. All the days. Of her life. And faithfulness works exactly the same with the husband and with a pastor. I said a pastor or the head of a ministry. Head of a ministry, their partners will have no fear of spoil from that man or woman of God. Because they won't lie to them. They won't steal from them. They will only do them good. They'll do no evil to them all the days of their life. Yes, amen. Anything else is unfaithful. Pastors, your people, 
If you're a faithful pastor, have no need to fear anything bad out of you. You won't hurt them. You'll only do them good. All the days, you won't lie to them. You won't steal their money. You won't have affairs with their wives and, and, and their, their daughters coming out listening or God forbid their sons or whatever it is that's going on. Everybody's got flesh. You can be tempted. But what will keep you out of it is you love something else more. You love someone else more. There's got to be something stronger in you that will help you to control your flesh. And that is this. How many have, I mean, a burning desire. You want to hear past this life. Your name called. You want to hear Jesus call your name. And look at you and say... Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm glad he didn't say everything. <laughs> you, know, you know why I said that? I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't say it had to be everything. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. That's increase. That's eternal increase. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to 1 Corinthians, please, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians 4. She'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's not based on his performance. That's not based on if she deems him worthy of that. She'll do that regardless of how he acts because of who she is. I don't know if you heard that or not. Not because of who he is, because of who she How many understand? Oh, Corivin Bejdegali. The scripture said that if some don't believe... God remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? God's going to be faithful no matter what you do. Is that right? And if you're going to be like God, you're going to be faithful no matter what they do. No matter what your spouse does, no matter what people around you do, you're going to be faithful, not based on if they deserve you being faithful to them. You're going to be faithful because of who you are, what you are. You're godly. You're a child of God. You're created in his likeness and image, and he's faithful. And because he is, so am I. As he is, so am I. In this world. Come on, somebody say, as he is, so am I. In this world. He's faithful. By his grace, so am I. Now, it won't be apart from you, it won't be independent from you. You have to love these things like he does. But with his grace, you can be. Even if you have been the most undependable, unfaithful person around you can change by the power of the spirit you can change and become an example of faithfulness to your family your friends your church your people hallelujah 
pastors, ministers, when we lead ministries, people come and they work and they bring their families and they bring their children to be involved in the programs and they give and they tithe and they bring their money and they work, they should be able to trust us. Is that right? They are trusting us. And they work hard. Some folks work in two jobs and they come in and put a big offering for them. You should handle it like what it is, holy. Is that right? Holy. And a faithful man or woman will never steal. Never. Never. Oh, somebody say never. 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 They'd rather starve to death than steal. Unfaithful people justify themselves. Come straight from the enemy. The enemy is continually justifying his unfaithfulness. He has all kind of reasons. And if you listen to him, he can hang with anybody mentally and best them. But he's a liar. And there's no excuse for his unfaithfulness. Judas had no justification for betraying Jesus. He can't say, well, Jesus don't, he don't live what he preaches. I've been with him on the road. And he does all kinds of stuff. No, he couldn't say that. He couldn't say his doctrine was off. He couldn't say anything. You understand what I'm saying? But living like Jesus did, the perfect faithful life doesn't assure people will be faithful to you. But you've already made up your mind. You're going to be faithful. No matter what they do. Not because of who they are and what they do. Because of who you are. And who God is. In you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 4. Did you find it? I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 4 and 1. It describes the requirements of spiritual stewards. The requirements of spiritual stewards. Something in the King James, you'll have to kind of look up. The word dispensation, numerous times, is actually the same word for stewardship that you find in Luke 16. Same word. Paul said, 1 Corinthians, he said, a dispensation of the gospel is given to me. That is the exact same word as stewardship in Luke 16. And that's what he's saying here. He talks about in Ephesians, he talks about the stewardship of um, or the, uh, the holy trusteeship, one translation says, of the divine mysteries of revelation of the gospel. Paul had a revelation that God was trusting him with that. He was trusting him with that revelation to get it out to the known world. And hallelujah, we're turning to 1 Corinthians right now that he wrote. Is that right? How many believe Paul was faithful with that trust that God gave him? And so every child of God, not not just ministers, every child of God will be given a trust of something from the Lord. 
And in the beginning, it will seem small. But that's the way he always does everything. The first time I ever ministered at Brother Hagin's ministry was a uh, challenge for me. I had been busy and tired. I was a helper. I wasn't preaching on the platform. And uh, I came in from a, a trip, personal thing, and over the weekend, and, and they called on the phone and said, uh, Brother Hagin's not going to be here. We want you to speak in the afternoon and take the, take the healing school, the, the public one. And uh, I had told them, well, you know, anything you need me to do, I, I'm, I'm ready to do it. And, and so I just said, uh, okay, all right. And, and I hung up the phone, and then I thought, uh, no. I mean, what, what did I say? I mean, I, I'm still trying to find the books of the Bible. I mean, <laughs> and these people don't need anybody practicing on them. They got serious issues. This is healing school. And, and I thought, well, I need to call them back and say, no, I, I don't think I can do it. And, and I actually reached for the phone. And the, and the, the Lord said, you better ask me. I said, okay. I'm asking, should I do it? He said, I want you to do it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I went back. We had a little apartment thing. No walk-in closet, a reach-in closet. But I actually jammed myself in the closet <laughs> and got on the floor and said, oh, God, you know, and I'm, I'm praying, what in the world am I going to do? What am I, I going to do? I mean, Brother Hagen had a visitation and vision from the head of the church. He, he put the palm, finger of his palm, yeah, I was, I was stuttering like that. Finger <laughs> of his hand, palm of each one of his hand. He's got a tangible healing anointing. He's got all this revelation. People come there because they've been given up to die. And who's speaking this afternoon? Keith who? <laughs> and I thought, I, I wrestled around there and I prayed until I about got tired and fell over the side. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Keith. I can do a lot with a little. Remember the little boy's lunch? He said, you, you feel like you have so little compared to Brother Hayes. He said, he didn't start out with what he has now. Nobody does. He said, take what I've given you. Thank me for it. Thank me for it. Be glad for it. And Believe me to multiply it to meet the needs. When I finally got there, I said, let's thank God, you know, for his provision today and abundant provision. And I felt like I'm holding up a sardine and a half a cracker. (laughs) I said, God, what am I talking about? My revelation, the revelation I had at that time, it was small. Compared to what he had after 60 years at that point. The anointing I had on me to minister to people to the laying on of hands. It was small. It was tiny compared to that. But I don't need to compare myself to him because I'm not him. And I don't have what God gave him. He's got what God gave him. I have what God gave me. I need to be thankful for it. And come on, here, here's the key. What's going to determine if I get more? What's going to determine if I get more revelation, if I get more anointing, if I get more opportunity to minister? Come on, what's going to determine that? 
Not crying and begging. Not comparing yourself with everybody. What? Being faithful with what I have right now. Oh, come on, church. Being faithful. I got to do everything I know to do and can do with this. And so I did. I stood up. I held up my little starting and cracker and acted like it was a truckload. Well, that's faith, isn't it? Isn't that faith? I said, thank you, Lord, for this bountiful provision. <laughs> now, isn't that what Jesus did before it multiplied? He thanked God for it. He thanked the Father for it. That, that was when the miracle started happening. And then, as they broke it and passed it out, it multiplied in their hands. It multiplied through the groups of 50. And um, as I would break off a piece and share it, there was more there than where I started with. Uh, scripture started coming to my remembrance. Illustration started coming. I even got enthused about it. And <laughs> next thing I know, look down, I have taught and preached pretty good for 45 minutes. And the people are looking at me spiritually going, mmm. And I'm going, this is a miracle. They don't know it. <laughs> but this, this is a miracle. <laughs> and from that day to this, you use what the Lord gave you, and if you're faithful with it, He'll give you more and more and more. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. A few weeks ago, with that um, the hurricane that happened in uh, New Orleans, we were talking to Jesse and Kathy and involved with Convoy of Hope and materials that they were getting to them and, and found out some things that were needed down there and uh, the Lord prompted us from the church to cut a check and, and cover a whole new piece of equipment to help facilitate their convoy of hope and uh, when we did I, I was out on the road and we'd been talking back and forth about it and, and uh, I just thanked God and, and, I, and, and I, all at once I remembered one of the first offerings Phyllis and I gave in faith and we, we grew up in church. She grew up Catholic. I grew up Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of God. And um, we gave, but it was more token giving. And it was usually your change. And it was more just, this is the ritual. We didn't really, weren't really taught about giving in faith. At least I wasn't. Or if, if I wasn't, I didn't hear it. And uh, wasn't paying attention. But... Uh, one of the first times I remember that we really gave in faith was at your meeting, Brother Kenneth, in, I believe it was 1978, I think, in Jackson, Mississippi. You came, and it was in the basement of a, uh, yeah, no, it was in the basement of a building, and Phyllis and I went, and this is one of the first meetings like that we'd ever been in, maybe the first like that, and um, with our long hair and our bell bottoms. It was the 70s, man, right? It was the 70s. We had $10 to our name. $10 to our name. And the Lord prompted us to sow half of that, $5, into the offering that night. And uh, with faith. In faith that we'd have our needs met on some things that we needed and were believing for. And on the way out, we spent the other five on Miss Gloria's little book. <laughs> and just like that, 
When I, I, was, I was thanking the Lord that we were able to give substantially now. When I say we, I'm talking about you, church family, and all of us on these things, substantial amounts now. I was thinking, Lord, how did we get here? Just like that, he took me back to that $5. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, faster than I could do that. I asked him, I said, Lord, how did we get here? 40 plus years ago, $5. He said, you obeyed me with that five. Oh, glory to God. And the five became 50, and the 50 became 500. 500 became 5,000, became 50,000, became 5 million. Are y'all listening? Problem is, there are millions of people will not obey him with five dollars. With ten, they, they, whatever he tells them to do, they just won't do it because of fear, because of wrong thinking, whatever. But this is how increase comes. This is God's way, right? And revelation that you have, you don't compare it with anybody else. You you share it with your neighbor. Is that right? You talk to people on the bus about it or, or at work or whatever. And if you're faithful with it, he'll give you more. If you're faithful with that, he'll give you more. And if we're faithful with the charge he gives us in this life, he's got some big more waiting for us past this life in his eternal kingdom. It involves the ruling over cities. Ruling over kingdom cities. Go to Luke, if you would, the 19th chapter. I know we didn't finish with this, but I hope you can come back. Luke 19. We got down to Matthew 25 last night, but we didn't. We didn't get into the parable of the talents. I'm thinking maybe we will before we'll see. There's a lot. This week is passing so quick. It'll be be over so quick. Don't be distracted and miss out. When you're here, have your ears on. And be alert and awake. Need to take a nap in the afternoon, whatever you need to do. Be here full focused. Because, I mean, this is already Tuesday, right? And, I mean, the end of the week will be here so quick. But we're getting what we're supposed to get. We have a word from the Lord. We're seeing things that are changing things. Luke 19, verse 11. They heard these things as they heard them. Jesus added and spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Have you noticed how much Jesus talked about the kingdom? By and large, we have not talked as much about the kingdom as he did. Most folks, not half as much. Jesus talked about the kingdom so much that they thought it's happening right now. It may happen for the weeks out. It may happen for the months out. And you remember that uh, two of his disciples, their mother came and tried to yeah. get ahead of everybody else and yeah. said, you know, uh, I'm going to ask you a big favor. And uh, What? About the kingdom. They're talking about the king where the king of kings is king. Yeah. Right. 
Kingdom just means the dominion or the reign over which the king rules. And the reason why Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why? Because his will is not being done for the most part on the planet. It's not being done. That's why Jesus said the kingdom is within you. Where is the kingdom? Where people are submitting to God's rule and his will is being done. That's the kingdom. And it's only in those places and those houses and those kind of things where that's happening now, which is a tiny fraction of the world's population. But soon and very soon, it's going to be everywhere. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord. And it is giant. It is giant beyond our thinking. And he needs a lot of people in many, many millions of positions. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fantasy. This is what everything's building to. And right now, the faithful are being found. And it's the faithful that he's going to put in these positions of kingdom rulership for eternity. It's not something that's going to last a few centuries. So they thought the kingdom should immediately appear. And verse 12, he said to them this parable. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Who's the nobleman? Anybody know? (laughs) Jesus. He has left here and gone and he's at the right hand of the father, but he's coming back. I said he's coming back. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. Now we're going to, perhaps we'll look at that later, but this was millions of dollars. Not, Not just a handful of stuff. Millions of dollars. This represents serious responsibility and charges. If you don't think that's right, study the original words in Matthew 25. He said, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Oh, Lord, what ignorance, what stupidity. It's happening all over. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom. That's why you pray that thy kingdom come. (laughs) It's coming. The manifestation of the kingdom of God in outward form is coming. It already exists in us, but it's coming where it's going to cover everything. And I mean, the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Nothing will remain outside the control of the kingdom. And he came and commanded the servants to be called to him. To whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first. He said, Lord, your pound has gained ten pounds. And he said to him, well, 
you good servant. Because you've been faithful. Anybody looking forward to hearing those words? Is it possible we could hear those words? Yeah, but we, don't, we have no time to waste. We got no time to play. You've been faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. There will be cities in the eternal kingdom of God. Many of them. Here this individual was faithful in a little thing in the Lord's absence before he returned. And now he's been given authority over ten cities. Somebody say over ten cities. Over ten cities. cities. Keep reading. The second came and said, Lord, your pound has gained five pounds. He said, likewise to him, you also be over five cities. These cities are going to be amazing. Big cities. Grand cities. Lots of people. Bigger than New York. Bigger than L.A. I'm telling you. Grand. Big things. And you will have been trained in your life learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learning what faith is and how to use it. Learning to obey. Learning about authority in the name of Jesus. Learning about all these things. And you will find that when you come out of this life and into the next You'll rest from your labors here and your works. Your works (laughs) will follow you. People say, well, you can't take it with you. Actually, you do. You won't take the natural stuff. You won't want it. Your good stuff's over there. Your nice stuff is over there. But the spiritual things that have accrued and accumulated will go with you. They're part of your equipping for your position in the kingdom. Phyllis and I both worked full-time jobs from the time we were 13 years old. Our parents weren't wealthy. They worked hard. Mom, Both our moms and dads worked hard and did, but but we just we didn't have a lot, and we knew Phyllis knew if she wanted nice clothes, she's gonna have to work, make some money. I knew if I wanted a fast Mustang, I'd have, I'd have to work, and we did, and we're glad to do it. I mean, forty-hour week jobs after school, and one of the jobs I had was a little country shopping center. I I worked in the grocery store. I also worked in the meat market. I worked in the appliance store. I worked at the tire rack and I also was a volunteer fireman <laughs> at the same place. Phyllis did all kinds of shit. She managed offices. She worked in factories. Help me some of the stuff you did. I mean, a dozen different things. And what we found out as we got into the ministry, every one of those things was preparing us for the ministry God had called us to. 
People many times don't respect a natural job like they should. They don't think it's spiritual, and yet it is. Because hearts are being proven. You've got to learn to use your faith and be led by the Spirit and walk in love and all these things, right? And every, isn't it true, Phyllis, everything we did, we have realized the further we go, it was preparing us. It was equipping us. That's the way this entire life is. We'll see as soon as we get out of here and we're given our positions in the kingdom, we'll realize, well, that's why I learned that. That's why I learned that when I was 20 and I learned that when I was 30 and I learned that when I was 85. That's why, hallelujah. And it's all coming together. And you are, you were proven faithful. Didn't say you had to be faithful in everything, but you were proven faithful in a few things. Showed your heart. And God says, now, son, daughter, I'm making you ruler over these ten cities. And you'll see them. And you go, wow, Lord. All those cities? He said, yes. Phyllis. Would you come up, please? The Lord gave Phyllis an experience some years ago. You want to just stand over here? Phyllis, she has the anointing on her of an administrator like Joseph. And the help to me, I can't even begin to, to describe. And so these things have always been close to her heart and mine. And um, she had an experience. How long ago would you think this would be? A few years ago? Ten years ago. Ten years ago, maybe. And I believe you said you'd never had one like it before or since. And uh, we, just, we, we know it was the Lord giving her a glimpse of things to come. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He said, he'll show you things to come. So Phyllis, would you just share with us a little bit about that and what you experienced and, and what it was? Well, I didn't tell anybody for the longest time. I probably didn't tell Keith till what, three or four years ago, you know. Some things you just don't tell, you know. And, and so um, I just know that um, I appeared to be in heaven. And... Um, when I did, it was like I was leaving some kind of a ceremony from like what I would, I'm going to say the word seems because, you know, you don't know everything. You only know what it seemed to be in your heart at the time. I was leaving what seemed to be the big city or the throne or the or whatever and there had been a ceremony maybe where something happened with you and you received your orders type thing and maybe not only you but maybe others and I was leaving what seemed to me to be the city which would have been maybe out here in this area and as I would leave um, maybe where Rick and Sally are, the gate 
would be, say, like there, and I was going this way, but I don't remember rising up. I just remember because I had someone to this side of me, and they were this way with me, and then I had someone to this side of me, and all I remember then, the next thing I remember was I was talking with this person to this side, and we were then... I don't want to say flying, but that's what you were doing. But you were just kind of floating and going along, you know. But you were in the air really high. And at first, I didn't see anything except for, I recall, over to the left of me, it was like there was this great, big, beautiful forest to the left. And I remember today, I hadn't even told Keith this, but I remember today underneath us was like this green patch and there were these it looked like warrior horses and riders on them going underneath me but they were so full of joy they were happy about whatever they were doing I I don't know what they were doing but they were just riding underneath us and you could see them as we were going along and I wasn't paying attention because this person to my left was giving me instruction. It was like he was there to tell me what my jobs were going to be to do and where I was supposed to be basically over. And if you guys would put that picture up and just kind of keep it up for the rest of it. And it was like I saw, this is not it, but it was like I saw something like this. And it was like that dark area, but it wasn't dark, but it was like it wasn't cities yet. I came out of a place like that. It was green and it was lush and it was everything. But then I began to see when he started to tell me that there were cities that things were going on. And he began to tell me, and it was kind of, Different because he would say, like, this city, like you see that first one where the curve is, he'd say, now that city's doing real well. You won't have to check on it much. They're covered real well. And and then the other city to the right of it, it's going real well too. And um, you probably wouldn't have to check on it much. Just say hi every once in a while, you know, that sort of thing. But then you, you and it was, you were up that higher, higher, and, and you were just kind of going along. And we did this for a while. And then all of a sudden, we'd, we'd go a little bit, and he would tell me about something else that your responsibilities were. But then he'd say, then we got to this other city, like maybe this big one over here, but it was kind of further out, maybe way farther. Um, but it was a, a big city. And uh, he kind of pointed to that one. He said, now you need to tell them now what they need to do about that. And you need to explain to them how they need to fix that. And so I did. I just, like, knew. And he was telling me what I needed to do and training me, but I already knew what I needed to tell them. And I told them, and this was the joy that filled my heart, was that I didn't speak to them. I just thought it, and they knew it. They knew it instantly, but that wasn't the thing that filled me with joy. It was that there was no, lack of a better word, resistance to what you told them to do. It was like, okay, yeah, we got it, and we're going to do it. And you knew instantly it was going to be done right. 
It was like you would never have to tell them again that it would be done, and you would never have to think about it again. But the thing even more than that was that the person that was there that was over that city, it seemed like, and I don't want to add to it more than what I know, it seemed like maybe I knew that person, and maybe if it would have been here in the world, there might have been a little animosity that I might have been telling them what to do. But there was none. They were so thrilled that I was there and so thrilled that I was giving them instruction and so happy to see me. And so just, wow, yes, we got it. So glad to see you. So happy. And this was just all translated in like the blink of an eye. You just knew all this. And you just went on to the next city. And he was telling you about that one. Now, that one's had a little bit of trouble. You're going to have to really stay on top of that one there because they just haven't seemed to get it yet. And that was kind of the way he said it. They just haven't seemed to get it yet. Now, what if they didn't get? I don't know. But that was kind of it. But it was like the biggest majority of them, it was like everything's good there. You just might stop by sometime and say hi. You know, but that was kind of, and then it was all over with. Hallelujah. But that was it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. I thought you'd like to hear that. We don't say things like that lightly. You don't hear that kind of thing every day. We're convinced. Phyllis said that she never had anything like that before or after that. But, uh, I believe the Lord uh, allowed her to see some things ahead of us and experience what they would be like. Well, how many believe it's real? Is it there? Are we coming into it? It is. Well, why then was she able to be over some cities? Must have been faithful. Is that right? In some things down here. And it's not like it's going to be just a dozen opportunities. Have you looked at the universe? (laughs) What is all that for? What is the creation? You know, the Bible says he doesn't create things void, but to be inhabited. And, And so most of what's God's plan, we don't know, but his plans include us. They include us, not just for a little while, but throughout the ages to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it written? You've been faithful in a few. Be ruler over ten cities. Did Jesus say it? Is it there? It's got to happen some way. It's in our future. Why, Why talk about this? Because... Most people live like this is all there is. And this is all there's going to be. Which is why they're not willing to sacrifice any of this. Because in their mind, people act like there's no heaven and hell. There's no eternity. There's no kingdom of God. They, They act like this is it. But when it's real to you, and you set your affection... On things above. Oh, come on now. Things above. 
I've heard people say, well, they're, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. There is no such thing. I said, there is no. Now, you can be goofy minded. <laughs> but being heavenly minded, being aware of God and his things and what's coming, that makes you all the more effective in the earth. Because you are living with an awareness that I got just a few more breaths and a few more steps and I'm out of here. I got a job to do. Somebody say, I got a job to do. I got, I got a job to do. It's training me and equipping me. And if I'll be faithful, qualifying me for what's coming next. Oh, come on, lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Just, just praise the Lord for a moment. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Pray it out loud, Lord. Help me to see things through your eyes. Grant me eternal perspective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to see what you value and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The advancement of his kingdom, the building of his church, that's what's important to him. And that's made up of people. People are the living stones in the church of the Lord. And so everything he has given us, everything that he adds to us, it is for that, to that end. And faithful means you have his interests always first and foremost, not yours. That's contrary to the nature of the flesh. The flesh is always self-centered. Self-interest first and foremost. And so you have to keep under your body, like Paul said, and let that love of God that's in your heart and love of God, love for God, love for people, dominate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And realize every day is another opportunity. I don't have many left. Even if it's another 75 years. I mean it's going to come and go like that. Do you believe it? How many of the last 20 seem like it went by pretty quick? Or Well what about the next 20 or the next 40? I mean this is so brief. So brief. Phyllis and I were prompted a few years ago to pray this prayer. Because we, we've been in the ministry now 40 years. And this, this church here is about 20 years old. And it just seems like, you know, just a few weeks ago that we started it. And so we look up in another 20. And that's if, with the Lord sustaining you and keeping you. If he, does, if he tears his coming, we're, you know, 80, 90, whatever. Uh, if you're going to do something, you better get to it. Actually, when I, uh, Phyllis and I were at a juncture in our ministry uh, about taking the next big steps, I went to Brother Hagen to his office and talked to him about it. He was so kind and gracious. And uh, I told him what I had on my heart. He didn't say anything the whole time. And he just said, uh, well, he said, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you better get to it. 
Now that might seem like, well, that's just kind of a terse, natural thing. No, that's exactly what you need to be thinking. Well, I don't have much time left. 150, 60,000 people left the earth today. Some 160,000 or so left the planet. I assure you, most of them, as they were breathing their last, spirit leaving their body, they thought, I thought I'd have more time. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. They were going to do the other. And they're out of here. They're out of here. You can't change the past. But you're still breathing. How many are still breathing? Let me check. Look at your neighbor. They're still breathing? Still breathing. God's still on the throne. Is that right? Sun's still shining. Gravity's still working. I got some time. And even if you wasted time or lost time, that's why the Bible talks about redeeming. Oh, somebody say redeeming. Redeeming the time. The Lord can do a lot with a fully committed little. What do you mean? Look at what happened with Jesus in three and a half years of ministry. Three and a half years. Amazing. Outstanding. Wonderful. So just a couple of fully committed years can be all kind of reward in the world to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Lord prompted Phyllis and I to pray this about, because we begin to be more aware of this. And the scripture says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Didn't he say that? Teach us. Is it a revelation we need? Yeah, because you can get up, go to work, come home, cut the grass, wash the clothes, eat eat your supper, watch the news, go to bed, get up, do it, and act like you're going to do it forever. And you're only going to do it about that much longer. Needs to be an awakening, a a revelation. And the Lord prompted us to pray this. And and so we did, asking God to show us the highest and best use of our remaining days and resources in order to redeem the time. You want to pray that over yourself? Everybody said out loud, Father God, God, thank you you for letting me live, live. letting me exist. Choosing me to be part of your forever family, training me to be part of your eternal kingdom. You told me to redeem the time because the days are evil. I ask you, enable me to use my remaining days and opportunities and resources for the highest uses, the highest purposes, your purposes, kingdom business, kingdom advancement. Hallelujah. I submit all I am, all I have into your hand. Here I am. Use me. Send me in what pleases you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say thank you, Lord. Come on, just thank him for just a moment further. Thank him for doing that. For doing that. That you're not going to waste your remaining days. You're not going to waste your remaining days. A key part of that is uh, being led by the Spirit. 
key part of that. Brother Hagin said when the Lord in one of those visions taught him, he saw he had an open vision, and the Lord taught him about being led by the Spirit and the inward witness and, and all these things. And, and one of the things he told him, he had started to go to a church several times, but at the last minute would crumple up his response letter and throw it away. And the Lord told him, he said, that's, a, that's my witness. You know, pay attention to that. Listen to that. He said, now I'm going I'm to tell you, but this will be the last time I lead you this way. I don't want you to go to that church. They wouldn't receive your ministry. I want you to go to this church. That one was a big church. This one was a little church. This happened to be that way on that occasion. But that is an answer to what we're talking about. Not everybody's ready for you. You're not everybody's cup of tea. Don't have to be. Don't need to be. But there's somebody that likes your style. There's somebody. Is that right? Yeah. It may be a lot like this style, but it's somebody that, that will hear you and God can use you. And so that's where you want to spend your time, where it does the most good, not where people are bothered to even see you. You don't want to waste. It's too precious. I said it's too precious. We've traveled quite a bit. I still go out and, and travel quite a bit. And, and over the years, there's been a, a couple of times that I come back home and even on the way home, I'm thinking, I don't think that was the best use of my time. You know, not that they weren't great people. It just didn't seem like, and then there's other places, you know, there was a divine deposit. Yeah. You know, something kingdom transpired. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's not a waste of your time. And the only way you can get that right, because there's just too much you don't know about a lot of it, the only way is to be led by the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Not led by money. Not led by need. Not led by size or crowds or convenience. Come on, are y'all with me? That's how you waste precious time. You waste precious days and resources. But when you're led by the Spirit, you won't waste a thing. You won't waste emotion. It'll all be well spent, well invested, and uh, something will transpire that'll further qualify you. And the next thing you know, I mean, um, I'm a pilot, you know, a lot because of hanging around Brother Kenneth. But when, when Phyllis told me that, and then she found a picture that described, I thought, girl, you must have been at 120,000 feet. I mean, and you must have been traveling like Mach 10. I mean, what? <laughs> it appealed to me. How about you? Anybody interested in what she described? It's got to happen some way. It's got to happen some way. And this is what you and I are being prepared for, are being groomed for. Let's finish reading in this text in 1 Corinthians 4, and then that, that may be enough for right now. 1 Corinthians 4, I want you to let this that Phyllis shared with you, I want that to just gel in you and sit in you. 1 Corinthians 4.1, he said, so then, this is amplified, let us be looked upon as ministering servants of Christ and stewards, trustees of the mysteries, the secret purposes of God. Most of the planet, most of the billions of people on the planet have no clue about what we're talking about tonight. I mean, no clue. And 
We have been in trouble. Everything that God gives you is ultimately to give away and share. Because it's a seed is supposed to multiply. Is that right? And so that's one of the reasons why some seemingly small needs, believing for it, can seem a challenge sometime. And why did that seem to be so hard or take so long to get that? Because your victory is other people's victory. When you have that breakthrough, other people are going to see it. They're going to be encouraged. And it's like uh, dominoes. It just starts flowing. And so the enemy, it's easier to crush an acorn than it is an oak tree. And so that's what he's out to do. But uh, the, the revelations, just the revelation, I say just, I shouldn't even use that word. The revelation of the new birth, the revelation of being born again. Most of the planet has no idea. Right? Take that revelation. Share it. Hallelujah. There is a God. There is a heaven and hell. He loves you. Jesus already paid the price. Come receive. That's life changing. World changing. And so all of us have been given different measures. Depending on how faithful we were with the smaller revelation. We've been given more and more revelation if you're faithful. And what's that for? Not just to sit at the house and go, hallelujah. (laughs) Blesses me so much when I think about these. It's to share. I said it's to share. It's to share. It's to share and to minister. We're stewards of this. Moreover, it is essentially required of stewards that a man should be found faithful, proving himself worthy of trust. That's what faithful is trustworthy. But as for me personally, it matters very little to me that I should be put on trial by you. And that you or any other human tribunal should investigate and cross-question me. Why? Don't don't think he changed subjects. What's he talking about? Faithfulness. Being a faithful steward. What he said, what did King James say? It's a very little thing to me. I'm going to paraphrase whether you think I'm faithful or not. Why? That's not what matters. <laughs> you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, uh, <laughs> I've heard husbands and wives that were having some issues and, and the wife looked at him and said, I'm the best wife you could ever have. I'm, I'm one of the best wives in the world. Well, according to you. <laughs> he would be the judge of that. I'm telling you, if he's not enjoying the wife you're being to him, whose wife are you being? For who? Whose wife are you? Now you're laughing, but people laugh. Same thing with the husband. I'm a good husband. I'm a good man to her. According to you. What does she say? You, you can't tell us how good of a husband you are to her because you're her husband. Only she would know. Do you understand that or not? Yeah. Well, who would know if we're faithful to God? God. Him. That's evidenced, but in, in, in the final analysis, that's, and that's what he's saying. It's God that really knows. Because he's the only one who knows your heart. He's the one that knows. I keep reading. He said, uh, 
I don't even put myself on trial and judge myself. He's talking about as to whether I'm faithful, a faithful steward of these mysteries or not. Keep reading. Verse 4, I'm not conscious of anything against myself. I feel blameless. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not violating my conscience. I'm, I'm walking in the life that I have, but I'm not vindicated and acquitted before God on that account. It's the Lord himself who examines me and judges me. He's the one that gets to say, why? Because I'm his servant. I can't say, I'm a faithful servant. Well, according to you. What does he say? Right? He's the one who says whether you are faithful to him or not. not and, and this is the thing. Not just faithful to principles. Not just faithful to your denomination. Faithful to God. The person. The person of God. The person of Jesus. Faithful to God. He goes on to say. And oh this is. This is amazing. He said it's, it's God. Who judges me. And so do not make any hasty. Or premature judgments. Before the time. When the Lord comes. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of what? Of what? Of the hearts. Then every man will receive his due commendation from God. Or the kingdom says praise. God is going to praise us? Well, what else is it? Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Yes. I wonder, Phyllis, if that ceremony you came from, if that was that, that kind of thing. I don't know. I was happy. Yeah, yeah. It'd make you happy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Phyllis, dear, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm making you ruler over multiple cities. Enter into my joy. Hallelujah. Join me in my joy. If that don't make you happy, I don't know what would. Is that right? So she is thrilled. And now she's flying at 150,000 feet at Mach 10. With ancient advisors. Ancient advisors on each side. Is this real? Is this our future? It's the Bible. I believe the Bible. I say we get ready. I said I say we get ready. I say we, we live each day as another opportunity to be faithful. Hallelujah. Because there's coming a day for every man and woman, child of God, that has been faithful in some measure when God will commend you. I mean, that's, that's a thought so big, religious people won't even believe it. But he's a father. I said he's a father. And when his children do something he told them to do and do it well, do you think he's not going to say, good job, well done? Yes, there will be commendation and praise from God. And this commendation is in when God's words are empowerment, not just communication only. When he says, be ruler over much. Did you hear that word, be? Be, be, 
That's like light be. Everything he says is empowering. And so when he says be ruler over that, what will be added to you? What will be give you this further empowerment? All of your gifts and graces that you had ever experienced are going to come together. Hallelujah. And they're going to rise to the full ability. And that's why you could soar over these cities and know what they need and know what to do and communicate. And the kingdom of God is in good hands, your hands. Stand up and praise God, church. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.